Welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We're excited that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that Christ would be glorified and you as our listeners would be edified. For more information about us, I'd please encourage you to go to our webpage. And there you find a lot more information about us and how to contact us and uh, make prayer requests as well. And that would be biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, all one word. You can find us on our social media accounts as well with Facebook and LinkedIn and MeWe. Uh, we're on those three. And so Facebook's always kind of giving us a headache. But I hope that we can get that straightened out soon. So please go there and make your request. You can contact us through any of those social media accounts as well. Today we're going to answer questions from listeners just like you from around the world. And if you have a question, please feel free to submit it. We will do our best to answer uh, any Bible question that you might have. We don't have the answer. Uh, we know where to go try looking for it. It's called the Bible. So if you have one, I hope and pray that you do. If you don't, you can download one off the internet or you can go to a web page uh, and, and get them and read them for free. Uh, there's plenty of Bible apps if, you, if you're in the United States or the Western world. Uh, you can get those for little as 99 cents to whatever you want to spend. And so you get a mini version as well, any language. They're just amazing uh, how Bibles really are available. And our first question uh, comes from a lady who asks about what does the Bible say about menopause? What does the Bible say about menopause? So again, if you have a Bible, uh, please uh, open it up and follow along. We're going to be here in uh, Genesis chapter 18 in just a moment. Again, that's Genesis chapter 18 verse 11. Where is menopause found in the Bible? Well, and how many biblical women miraculously bore children after experiencing it was kind of a second part of this question. So hopefully we can get to that here in just a minute. Now, the dictionary defines menopause as, as the beginning after a woman ceases to have her normal monthly cycles for at least 12 months. And so at this point in her life, she's no longer able to conceive and bear children. And, of course, that would be short of a miracle of God. Uh, the circumstances uh, of being barren is, is related in the Bible to menopause. And it would simply signify that a woman is not able, again, to conceive and bear her children. Uh, being barren was a condition where a woman was sterile, unable to have children, and during her normal female uh, fertile years, excuse me. And this would be the case with Sarah, Abraham's wife. She was barren uh, before her, so we call it uh, the change of life. It's kind of the term I've heard. And so, again, uh, menopause is mentioned, and we're going to read here. Uh, chapter 18, verse 11 of Genesis. It says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Okay, and so, uh, again, her, she would be in menopause. She's past the years of being able to conceive. So, if we continue to read verse 12, uh, 
Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laughing, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? And at the appointed time I will return to you this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah denied how she ever had laughed and go on because she was afraid. But anyway, they will. these guys, these men, these angels will go on uh, to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah after they leave this conversation with Abraham and how he's going to have a child with his wife who's very uh, up in years and past menopause, and he will go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So uh, the Bible does talk about it. That's just one example of... Uh, being menopause, uh, there is another, and I believe that would be uh, Samson's mom. Uh, she has passed her uh, years, and so there's also uh, you can see this with uh, John the Baptist with Elizabeth, uh, Luke chapter one, starting in verse. Uh, let's start verse 6. They were both righteous in the sight of God. He's talking about uh, uh, Elizabeth and her husband. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. Verse 7. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, so she never had children, uh, was not able to conceive uh, during her normal cycles of a younger woman. And now notice this. It goes on to say they were both advanced in years. Okay, so she is in menopause, and she will conceive and give birth to John the Baptist. So uh, the Bible makes this, I think, pretty clear, if you really want to look through all those. But uh, that this is just a normal thing that women go through because this is the way God created them. And so... I hope that answers your question. Uh, I may not be much of a question. It's not necessarily that I'm uncomfortable with giving you the answer. Uh, it is really there. Uh, there are several other examples, and so that you could be looking for. I think Sarah uh, is probably the most famous in the uh, Old Testament. Abraham and Sarah, and then uh, you have Elizabeth and her husband, who would give birth to. Uh, John the Baptist in the New Testament. So it happened. So you can see it, it, it happens in both Testaments. So I hope that it helps you uh, with this, uh, this question. I, I thank you for listening. Uh, I know you told me you've been a listener for a long time, and I, and I know we have those. So uh, I thank God for all of our listeners. Thank you again. Okay, our next question comes from Vietnam. And the man is asking, what is the lust of the dead? Well, turn with me, if you would, to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, and starting in verse 31. Uh, this is probably something that we just really have never talked about. I don't know if I've ever preached on it. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on it. But here it is. Uh, this is a... Moses, Moses is going to be talking about this right before he dies, and he's going to remind Israel of its history. 
when he begins to to talk about the graves of lust and how you provoked uh, the Lord to anger. And so uh, you can also find this in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 22. But what are the graves of lust? Uh, the Bible location of this question is uh, where a plague was sent among the people for, for sinning uh, against God, for lusting after meat. And God will give them manna, and that's in, in Numbers chapter 11, verses 31 through 35. When the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a severe plague. So the name of that place was called Kerberth Hat something. There you go. Uh, my English ain't very good, I guess. Because they were buried, the people who had been greedy, that people set out from that place. Okay, so anyway, that's the lust of the, of the dead. And Moses is just reminding them uh, that these people died because all they wanted was meat, and that's what they were after. Kind of a short question. There's not a whole lot about it, to be honest about it, but that's kind of what, uh, that's what you're asking for, and that's where you would find that information. And I certainly hope you can able to read that. Don't think I've ever been asked that question before, so uh, thank you. And the second question uh, this gentleman had was, what is this term of circumcision hill? Circumcision hill. Well, uh, for that, you have to go to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. And uh, I haven't heard this called this before, basically, uh, in your question here, but there is the largest collection of men, according to the Bible, that were circumcised at one time. And all of those who had entered the, the promised land under Joshua, they all had left Egypt for 40 years prior, uh, were circumcised. And their children, uh, the ones who were allowed into Canaan, were not. Okay, so Joshua chapter 5, verses 4 uh, through 6 is where you would find this answer. And so it reads, uh, This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all their men of war, died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For the people who came out were circumcised, but the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. And so... Uh, verse 6 says, For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until the nation, that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 7, the children whom raised up in their place Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised along the way. Now when they finished, now notice says they. Verse 7 says Joshua, but verse 7 says they. Uh, excuse me, verse 8 says they. All the nation, uh, they remained in camp until they were all were healed. And so, uh, you know, it seems a little weird. Uh, I, I I agree that all these people 
uh, would do all these circumcisions at the same time. And it also seems to me, as you read that text there, verse 8, uh, they were performed by anyone, not just priests or the elders. who want Anyone who wanted to do it and help uh, get it over with, I guess, uh, did help with that circumcision. And so, uh, again, I thank you for listening. I know we have quite a few people in Asia who listen, and uh, I'm encouraged by that. We uh, would love to go back to the Philippines and stay there and be able to help uh, the church there. Just not in our uh, uh, cards, I guess. Uh, God has just not showed us how to do that. And someday, perhaps, He will. So again, thank you for listening. I appreciate that very, very much. I hope uh, that this helps your, uh, your, your two questions. Another question uh, has come in. It says, uh, my, my brother is left-handed and the rest of us are right-handed. But what does the Bible say about uh, left-handed people? Well, I, uh, I only know of two people that the Bible talks about being left-handed. So uh, I know that uh, my, my father always said it was a right-handed world. And so uh, there's, again, two references in the Bible to people that were known to be left-handed. And uh, you can find both of them, actually, I believe, in the book of Judges here. As uh, I'm trying to search this out as I'm talking. It says here, uh, let's see here, Judges chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through 30. This is going to be about Ehud. He was a left-handed warrior. And he was used by God to save the Israelites from being oppressed. And ultimately, he will serve as a judge for Israel for eight years. The longest of anyone who served as a judge, to my knowledge. Most of them were only a few years at a time. And then there's Judges chapter 20, verse 16. The Israelite tribe of Benjamin seems to have produced an unusually large number of left-handed individuals. Some of them were so skilled at slinging a stone that the Bible reveals everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. So, uh, apparently, uh, that was something to be proud of. I know, uh, like in Major League Baseball in America... A good left-handed pitcher is really prized among those teams because it's something different how the baseball is thrown at them. It comes from a different location. And so uh, there's been lots of famous left-handed people. And uh, I know President Gerald Ford was left-handed. And so uh, if, you're, if your family member is left-handed, it's just the way God created them. They could be someday, they could be a famous leader or uh, a warrior for God. Who knows? So uh, don't criticize him and be happy uh, that you have him. Okay, so again, I thank you for asking that question. Again, if you have a question that you would like to answer, you can do so through our webpage at biblicalquestion.com. We have a contact us page there. And you can submit your question there. Or you can do it through our Facebook page and, and uh, our other social media accounts. We, we check those several times a week. And so 
if that's something that you would like. Okay, your next question comes from Rapid City, South Dakota. And the listener asks, who was the first martyr? Well, you know, the first martyr, really, I believe, would be Abel. And let's read here, Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4, verse 8 through 15. God told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Verse 11, Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and and from your face I will be hidden, and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Verse 15. So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, so that no one finding him would slay him. So, you know, Abel was killed because of his belief in God, his faith. Uh, If you go into uh, the study of of Hebrews, we'll talk about why uh, God accepted Uh, One, Abel offered his offering by faith, and Cain did not. And so God rejected Cain. So it is, this is really also recorded as the first uh, murder anywhere in Scripture of one human being killing another human being. The first martyr of the New Testament would be in Acts, and that will be with Stephen. And if you want to read that, uh, it starts here in verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 7. And he, he gives a whole testament of the history of the Jewish people. And if you really, I mean, it, he does a really good job of summarizing throughout this chapter uh, the Jewish history. And then, uh, and, and as you come back uh, on down, verse 51 says, You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart, and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. And he keeps going, and he keeps talking. And then verse 54, Now they heard this, and they were cut to the quick and began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opening up and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at at the feet of a young man named Saul. That will obviously be the Apostle Paul. So Saul was there. 
They went on stoning Stephen, and he called on the Lord Jesus to receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Do not hold this sin against him. And he fell asleep. In other words, he, he, he died. So Stephen would be the first martyr of the New Testament. And generally when that question is asked, most people instantly go to Stephen. And I understand why. Uh, but he definitely is the first martyr of the New Testament. And he obviously uh, has many, many other people who have followed in his footsteps of being a martyr over the last 2,000-some years. And that leads me to uh, the persecuted church today. We have many, many listeners who live in persecuted uh, countries where it is not always popular to be a Christian. Uh, Christianity as a whole is being shoved out. I know uh, many, many uh, people who have fallen away. The church, uh, there's lots of empty church buildings here in America since COVID especially, and their buildings are up for sale. And so that tells me, uh, just on a visual as you're driving, that those people once attended there, where did they go? Are they in another building? Are they quit believing? Uh, Are they worshiping in their homes? And I know uh, we have a small group in our, our home occasionally, and we go to their home occasionally. We do communion, and we sing songs and have prayer, have a Bible study, whatnot. You know, the church started in homes in the book of Acts, and I can't help but wonder if the church will not uh, end back up in the homes of believers with persecution on the horizon. And so we as Christians really need to be able to give an account of why we believe what we believe. We need to honestly be reading and studying our Bible each and every day. We need to be in prayer. Uh, And I know all of us have days that are better than others, sometimes weeks that are better than others, and maybe years. But we need to make this effort to pray uh, to God. We need to be acknowledging who He is. We need to give Him credit for what we have. You know, Something we really take for granted in, I know, especially here in the United States, uh, warm water, (laughs) indoor plumbing. And so uh, a vehicle, anybody who owns more than one vehicle in this country, uh, they are more wealthier than 90% of the rest of the world. And so we, we in America have been truly, truly blessed. And I truly fear we have rejected God. We have removed him from schools, uh, anything public. We're trying to deny and rewrite the history of the forefathers of the country. I realize not all of them were Christian men, but the majority were. And the principles uh, were laid out. And I think that's why God had really blessed us in the past. Now, uh, we used to respect life, and now we are ready to destroy it through abortion. Uh, the elderly are abused. If we do not take care of our, our unborn children, uh, that is a child. If you go back and listen to some of our podcasts, you will find out we went through that several times. Uh, it is a child. It is recognized as a child when Jesus Uh, Mary is found to be with child. It is the same Greek word uh, when 
the child is circumcised. It is the same Greek word at age 12 when he's in the temple uh, talking. So it is a child. God recognizes it as a child. And we, if, we, if we disrespect the most vulnerable of our society, very young or very old, we have a society who has deteriorated into evil. And, uh, and we, if you look around, it's just so much paganism around us. And so, you know, it's amazing to me when somebody at work comes up to you and says, hey, you know, I n- never hear you really cuss and uh, or use bad words. And uh, you, you seem to always be happy and at peace. And, you know, if you have the light of Christ in you, the light will shine through the darkness and let your light shine before men. Why? Because when somebody makes those comments to me, that's giving glory to God, my Father. And so, I mean, it tells me he is alive and working well in my life. It is not easy to be a Christian. I don't care where you live. Some places are just harder than others. But to to maintain a Christian lifestyle, it takes dedication, it takes uh, grit, it takes sand, courage, uh, the willingness to to suffer. This idea of you can have your best life now, you can ask God for piles of gold and Lamborghinis, and I've seen it all on Facebook. It just makes me sick, and you've heard me say that before if you're a regular listener. Uh, there's nothing wrong with... Uh, Money, we need to have it to buy food and clothing and medicine and shelter or whatnot. And, uh, you know, to, to want some of these cars, uh, you know, there's, there's no purpose. There's no, why would you want that as a Christian? I, if I had that kind of money, uh, I would give it as much as I could to mission work. And so Abraham was a very wealthy man in his day. Uh, Solomon was a very wealthy man. So there's a lots of very wealthy people. Jesus had a very wealthy friend. Uh, it is not a sin to be wealthy. It's, it is a sin not to use it for what God has intended for uh, you and to lust after that, that wealth and health gospel uh, idea. Uh, I really struggle with that. Yes, God wants us to be uh, healthy, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. I think he has that desire for us. But there's a more important thing as well as our spiritual health and happiness. And and we need to have healthy souls. And to do that, you have to be in prayer and you have to be worshiping and, and encouraging others. And if you don't have a church where you live, building uh, for whatever reasons, uh, find a small group somewhere. Uh, that might mean meeting in secret, might mean taking some risk. Uh, and know this, we pray every day in our home for you, the persecuted church around the world. And I, communism is not a friend of uh, Christianity, and neither is socialism, despite what the media might say. And there's my unpolitical statement for the week. Okay, so, and I get comments occasionally. People make have noticed I make unpolitical statements, and they're right. I do that, and they seem to be happy with it. It's not a criticism. So just tell me people are listening, and they think similar to me, and I'm sure many of you think the same way. 
All right, I have rambled off enough. If you have a question, I would encourage you again to submit it through our webpage. I appreciate the questions that we do get. It encourages us to keep the podcast going. And our yearly renewal inscriptions are up uh, with uh, our server and webpage and things. So keep in prayer that we will have the resources to continue to do this. Again, I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you, and may He have the glory.